Hallelujah. Just wanted to, before we turn it over to our guest today, want to say thank you to everybody for uh, blessing us, releasing us, praying for us as we went to Nicaragua. Um, I want to thank you for praying so hard that uh, for favor over us that uh, uh, it was a missions trip like no other. It must be because they were rolling out the carpet for my wife. I don't know. Uh, but I want you to know that most of my missions trips are not like this at all. Uh, but uh, we just were blessed beyond measure. Praise the Lord. I think I'm going to have to just take my wife all the time. And uh, <laughs> uh, But uh, we went to a Went for the first time to a place called uh, Rivas. It's on near the uh, west coast, and near a place called San Juan de Sur, which is a surfer town. And so lots of North American kids there, all ready to go surfing and everything else. But uh, we were at a very large church there ministering to their leadership team, which was about 130 or so people just of leadership team. Uh, and they, one of the guys that's on their leadership manages a property for some millionaires in New Jersey that uh, let us have their mansion for, uh, you know, the three or four nights we were there. And their, the bathroom in my wife and I's bedroom was almost the size of our kitchen. So uh, it was really hard to take. I just want you to know it was, we suffered intently and we, we took one for the team. I want you to know that. Uh, stood in the gap for you all, I want you to know. And uh, we, we do appreciate that, and I sense my wife would like to say something. She is up beside me, so uh, I'm not sure what. What are you going to say? <laughs> I'll just tell you one quick, quick story. Uh, we were at a church last Sunday, and they do Jewish-style worship, which is interesting, and they do everything by karaoke because the church is, for the most part there, they don't have the musicians and everything that we have. We are so blessed so blessed. Anyways, at the end, we were praying for people. And the one lady, um, while we were praying, I just felt Holy Spirit tell me that I was to take off a ring I had on and put it on her finger. Uh, didn't know why. And I put it on her ring finger, um, you know, wedding ring finger. And this is just Holy Spirit. It's so neat. And in the minute I did, she just basically collapsed into my arms. And I thought, okay, what's going on here, Lord? And she had had an abusive father and uh, a neglectful mother, just a horrible home life, then had uh, been with somebody, had a child, and as soon as he knew about the child of coming, he abandoned her. And then she'd been with a man for a number of years now, quite a bit older than her, who kept promising her a ring. Kept promising her a ring, and the ring never came because uh, he promised that he would honor her and marry her, and it just never came. And in that moment, um, Holy Spirit just confirmed what the pastor and his wife had been telling her was to step away from that relationship and that, that Jesus would be her spouse in this season. And so isn't it neat? Like, no interpreter, nothing, and Holy Spirit came down. And so throughout the week, I just encourage you, listen to the, the guiding and the whispering of Holy Spirit. Have your ears open because you just never know what's going to happen. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Awesome. I preached my first sermon in Spanish while I was there. just want you to know that. Uh, I, I, I waxed eloquent in Spanish. 
and uh, I've been working on my Spanish. Uh, my, according to my Duolingo app, I am 13% in, uh, fluent in Spanish now. I think the app hasn't got a clue what it's talking about because I'm actually about 1%, but uh, it says I'm 13% fluent now, and uh, I'm passing all of these little tests, and so, uh, but I did, I did preach a message, and I wanted to share it with you this morning. Uh, it takes about five seconds, and, uh, but it's my fluent Spanish message, and I believe, I'm not sure if he did or did not share this, uh, uh, I stole this message from Heidi Baker, and I don't know if Mark shared it with you while I was uh, away or not. He said he was going to. But I'm going to share it with you in Spanish. All right? This is my Spanish today. My Spanish sermon. And everybody loved it. Altars were full. Here we go. Uh, see if it has the same impact here. Are you ready? Menos. Mas. There it is. Praise the Lord. I know the, alt the altars are open. Just come on up here right now. Uh, uh, menos. Mas. Everybody say that. Menos. Mas. One more time. Menos. Mas means less, more. Amen? Less of this, more of this. I'm, I'm telling you, it just it created a revival, swept across the room, people weeping in their seats. Well, it might be a slight exaggeration, uh, but, you know, they do appreciate every effort you make to try and communicate in their language. And so I have preached my first Spanish sermon. It was very brief, uh, and, uh, and I think actually I, I elongated it, and I think I have it right, but it's menos mente, Mas corazón, less mind and more heart. So I think I got that down, but, you know, I, I might have that pronunciation of that slightly wrong. I'm not sure, but I'm working on it. Hallelujah. Well, it is a pleasure to have Lloyd and Kathy with us this morning. And um, uh, these guys have, uh, are such a joy to have. Um, you know, Lloyd's sense of humor needs a little work. We're working on them, trying to refine it, uh, you know. Uh, and yesterday he showed up with this orange T-shirt on at the men's breakfast. It's a Dutch thing. I don't know. He can explain it to you. Uh, but anyway, he was wearing Holland's colors yesterday. And uh, so you, you feel right at home, right, Jeff? I mean, come on. And uh, so uh, would you put your hands together and welcome Lloyd and Kathy this morning. Praise the Lord. Is it, is it okay if uh, my wife sings through this mic? Then she can stand um, in front. I'm just going to introduce my wife, and I'll introduce my family to you real quick. My name is Lloyd Vandenberg. I take medication for being Dutch. It doesn't really help. How many Dutch people here? All right, how many are not Dutch? And you wish you were. Okay, see, that's, that's good. So my wife and I, we've been married for 32 years. Uh, it was uh, better for better or for worse. It was better for me. It was worse for her. And uh, which we have six kids. That's what happens when you don't have television. I just want to... Um, <coughs> Can you put the family members not with us on the screen real quick? So we have um, four girls and two boys. This is our oldest daughter right here on the right. And uh, just above her is her, my son-in-law, Drew. You guys can't see this. I'm prophetic. There it is. See? All right. So this is yeah, Deanna and Drew, and this is our two grandkids. These are the two best grandkids in the world. How many of you women would disagree with me? Yeah, you're, you have the right to be wrong. It's, so, and... Uh, so they were in Southeast Asia for six years as missionaries. Now they're actually missionaries to Hamilton, Ontario, who's a skateboarder, really incredible ministry to the skate culture. You know, most guys that skateboard and stuff like that are awesome Christians. They don't do drugs, don't do anything like that. Yeah, right. Okay. So next slide. This is our daughter, Caitlin. Next slide. This is our daughter, Caitlin. 
and her husband, Ryan, they're the assistant kids pastors in a large church in Concord, North Carolina. And they've given us this little guy. This is Arthur. He is a cute little guy. We love him. Just about one year old. Next slide. This is our son, Garrett. He's 22. He's into the music industry. The next slide. These are our three youngest kids. Evan on the left, eight, uh, 16. Elise, the caboose in the middle, 10 years old. And Kirsten, 16 or 18 uh, on her way to YWAM in Australia. And then this last picture is the most beautiful woman on the planet. This is my wife, uh, Kathy. And, uh, and your, your pastor is delusional. He thinks his wife is, and that's okay. How many of you men think your wife is the most amazing woman? If you're not brain dead right now, just put your hand up, guys. <laughs> so anyway, uh, just... My wife's going to uh, share a song with you this morning. Have you ever been really, really ticked off at what the enemy does to your family, to your friends, to your culture? There's just sometimes you just say, I have had enough of this. And she's going to sing a song that is right up that alley. So if you want to throw that uh, track on, uh, let it go. Amen. Praise God. She sings really good for a girl, eh? <laughs> I see eyes of blue. Oh, you're <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't really want me to do that. So, so if you like that song, it's the first song on this CD. Uh, you can get that on the back table. Uh, we have a bunch of music CDs there, as well as I've written a book about what I'm talking about today. I'm going to talk to you about how I got free, and if you'd like to get free, you can probably follow the same principles that I've used. The book I've written is called Journey to Freedom. It's only 100 pages long, so men can read it. It's uh... <laughs> Also, some people say I don't read it all. We have it as an audio book as well, so it's the same price. Um, we also have uh, videos of what I'm sharing this morning and what I'm sharing on Monday night. I'm talking about forgiveness on Monday night. So I just encourage you to run by the table on your way out. It's on the right-hand side, right near the coffee stand. Uh, what do you call that? The cafe. cafe. There we go. So yeah, I encourage you in that regard. Okay, let's uh, pray and then we'll go right into the Word. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in this place today. Thank you, Lord, for all these beautiful people who came here today. I pray, God, that you would speak directly into their spirits so that they can take this truth and that would make them so free that they can, in turn, not only be free themselves, but free others. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how do I look today? No, doesn't it, isn't it amazing? I got a beautiful wife, beautiful children. Everything looks beautiful in my life, you know. And how many, how many girls are single here, not married yet? All right, just put your hands up real quick. Just look at me real quick. Do you know the guy you really like? He is so handsome. He is so gorgeous. He is so strong. He is so hot. Do you know that guy? Okay, look at me, girls. All right. In 30 years, this is what he will look like. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Don't, it's, it's not that bad. My wife says I look better now than when she first married. I don't know what is wrong with her eyes, but I don't want God to fix them. But, you know, I, I went from a middle part to a side part to a D part, and it's, it's all right. 
it's, it's, it's really, it's, but I like being a guy. You get up in the morning, you go like this, your hair's done. Your makeup, you're done, right? Being a woman is a horrible thing. I mean, you get up and I've heard of women, they get up in the morning, they look at themselves in the mirror, they scream, and then they begin. Foundation, mortar, cement, I mean, it's just the whole process, right? And, and you make yourself up to be something you're not. Now, I do that as well, okay? Every morning, I go like this. What do I do? I put on deodorant because I don't smell as good as I'd like to, right? So, and I don't think God has a problem with us taking care of our being. And by the way, ladies, you've done a wonderful job. I have no idea what you started with, but you look great today. <laughs> it's looking good, all right? But, but the reality is, I think, I think it's good for us to take a shower. It's to, you know, some of you guys that are, some of you guys that are single, try it. It might help, you know. In the, <laughs> but, but the reality is, I, I don't think God has a problem with us. But the average... Uh, price or the average amount of money spent on makeup and, you know, uh, enhancements in the United States is in the billions of dollars, right? And the Bible says man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the inside. Now, when you look at the outside of me, everything looks fine. But if you look on the inside of me, you'd say, this guy really has some issues, right? And you're saying, what in the world is that? Well, this is really an indication of what many people wear on the inside of their lives. This was my addiction. Now, you couldn't tell by looking at the outside of me that I had a problem. But when I look at the outside of each one of you, I can't see that you have problems. But if I could pull your skin back and look at your spirit, man, I wonder how many of you wear jewelry like this. You're saying, well, we don't want to talk about that in church. Well, actually, if we do, we can become really free, and then we can become really healthy and do great things for the kingdom. When I was about nine years old, I was being uh, babysat, and I was molested. As a result of that, I got tangled up in some stuff that really caused me to struggle in my life. Uh, I became a bully at school. You know, you always hear about people that are not supposed to bully in school. I was the bully. Why? Because hurt people hurt people. And I did that. I remember uh, just struggling in my life. I hated being like 13, 14 years old. I just struggled and struggled. I, I remember uh, when I was about 16 years old, I had gone to church every Sunday. I went to the, uh, the Dutch church, the Dutch Reformed or the Free Reformed Church, and I knew the Ten Commandments. You know the Ten Commandments? Uh, I knew the right way to go was this way, but you know which way I went, the other way. And I can tell you, man, I, I had so much stuff that I did wrong, and the Bible word for that is sin. And I, had, I was carrying the weight of that for many years. And I remember after reading this book called The Pilgrim's Progress that I knew I had to turn away from the way I was going and turn towards God. The Christian word for that is repenting. And I remember when I was 16 years old, I turned away from the wrong way, and I began to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I felt this whole weight of my sin come off my back spiritually, and I was so excited. I was like forgiven, and it was an amazing time. How many people in this room have experienced that sometime in your life? Wasn't that an amazing day when Jesus washed your sin away? And I, I remember for about two years doing incredibly well. When I got to be about 18 years old, I got tangled up in this garbage again in my thoughts. And, and I thought, well, I'm a single guy. How many single guys here today? Put your hands up. There's girls looking. Come on. All right. Uh, but, but, but 
I thought if I just get married, all my troubles will be over. And all the merry... <laughs> And all the married men said, <laughs> that was not exactly a thunderous amen, was it? I found that in my dysfunction, I married someone who was actually quite amazingly very functional. My wife was good to me in every single way, but she couldn't fix what was broken in me. We got married, we had one and then two children, and I was still struggling in my mind. And when you struggle with a habit, a hang-up, an addiction, a stronghold, a bondage in your life, it is discouraging because the Bible says, if any man is in Christ, old things have passed away and all things have become new. And it doesn't seem to work. You kind of think that everybody else has it figured out, but you don't. How many of you have ever felt that way? You know, and, and I remember I tried all kinds of things to get free. I tried fasting. Have you guys ever tried fasting? I hate it. I'll be like, you know, I'll get up and I'll, I'm, I'm going to be on a 40-day fast, just water, right? By 10.30, I'm on a juice fast. <laughs> and by lunchtime, I'm on a Daniel fast. And by suppertime, I'm like, you know, Lord, I just feel so holy and sanctified. I don't think I need to fast anymore. Has anyone else ever done that? <laughs> and I, but I tried fasting. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing, but it, I, I, I fasted for sometimes days and I couldn't seem to break the power of sin. I thought if I just memorized the Word of God enough, if I just had enough of the Word, and every time the enemy came and tempted me, I would just, I would just speak the Word against him like Jesus did. And it worked a little bit, but it didn't seem to give me the same results. I still seemed to fail. I tried praying a lot. I thought, you know, if you just pray, you know, you hear about some of these guys, they prayed and prayed. I thought, if I just pray a lot, I'll be free. Didn't work. I, I tried reading all kinds of books. You know, even me, me now, I'm telling you guys, you know, buy this book, get this book. And everybody's got like I got 15 books on freedom. I'm still not free. What's the problem here? I couldn't figure out how to get free. One day, I read a book. In that book, I read this story. You can put the first slide up for me. Many years ago in the United States, there was a slave. He'd been a slave his whole life. Abraham Lincoln came on the scene. He said, all the slaves are to go free. It was called the Emancipation Proclamation. So this slave heard the news, and when he heard it, he went to his old master, and he said, I've heard I'm free. Am I free? His old master said, doesn't apply to you. You keep working for me. So rather than believing the truth that Lincoln said, he believed the lie that his old master said, and for four years continued working as a slave. One day he realized all the other slaves on the other plantations were gone. He was still left, and he figured out his old master was a liar, and he walked away from the plantation. Well, when I read that story, I was frustrated with the slave because I thought, you wasted four years of your life. You could have been free four years ago if you just believed what Lincoln said. And then it seemed like God really impressed on me, Lloyd, you are exactly like that slave. You see, Jesus Christ was our emancipator. He took his finger, dipped it in his blood, and signed our, our, our emancipation papers. And we, when we receive Jesus Christ, become legally, spiritually free from the controlling power of sin. The Bible says when we break the law, we become subject to the law. We are all, before we know Christ, chained to the law of sin. But when we get to know Jesus, 
Not only does He forgive our sins, but He sets us free from the controlling power of sin. Now, as I read that in this story, it took me to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 19. And if you would stand with me, we'll read the word. I'll read most of the verses, but I want you to read a couple of them with me, okay? Well, then, should we keep sinning so God can keep showing us more and more kindness and forgiveness? Of course not. Should we keep sinning when we don't have to? For sin's power over us was broken when we became Christians and were baptized to become part of Jesus Christ. Through His death, the power of your sinful nature was shattered. Your old sin-loving nature was buried with Him by baptism when He died. And when God the Father, with glorious power, brought Him back to life again, you were given His wonderful new life to enjoy. Let's read verse 5 together. For you have become a part of Him. And so you died with Him, so to speak, when He died, and now you share His new life and shall rise as He did. I'm just going to get up here for a second so you can see me a little bit better. I want all of you to put your hands up like this, okay? Now give me all your money. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Okay, so this is you, and this is God, okay? Now the Bible says Christ is in you, and you are in Christ. So I want you to put your hands in each other, okay? Now move them back and forth. So whatever Christ did, you did. What did Christ do? Well, let's go to verse um, 6. It says, your old evil desires, they were nailed to the cross with Him. That part of your body that loves to sin was crushed and fatally wounded so that your sin-loving body is no longer under sin's control, no longer needs to be a slave to sin. The Bible doesn't say it no longer has the capacity or the ability to sin. It says you don't need to anymore. In other words, when you receive Jesus Christ... He takes the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He puts them in the lock that chains you to sin. And the moment you believe, you become legally, spiritually free from bondage to sin. Can you all see the chain is unlocked? Anybody can see that? All right. So I want to ask you all a question. Am I now free? How many people would say Lloyd is now free? Put your hands up. Okay, put your hands up nice and high so I can just see. I just want to get a percentage here. So we got about 10% say he's free. How many people say Lloyd is still bound? Put your hands up. And how many people would say, I wouldn't vote no matter what you did? Put your hands up. <laughs> and that's why we have some of the politicians we have, but that's a different sermon. Okay. So, so let me ask you this question again. Is the chain unlocked? How many people say the chain is unlocked? Okay, so we got pretty well 90% on that. So... Is it possible that I am legally free, but not experientially free? Is this perhaps where most Christians live? They know I'm free. Bible says so, but they don't experience freedom. Is that maybe possible? Would you like to know how to actually get the chain off your neck spiritually? Wouldn't that be great? Buy my book. Let's pray. All right, I'll give you a little bit more. So let's continue with the scripture because the word is powerful. When you are dead to sin, you are free from all its allure and power over you. Verse 8, since your old sin-loving nature died with Christ, we now know that you will share his new life. Christ rose from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. He died once for all to end sin's power, but now he lives forever in unbroken fellowship with God. Let's read verse 11 together. So look upon your old sin nature as dead and unresponsive to sin, and instead be alive to God, alert to Him through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, in the King James Version, which is an older translation of the Bible, 
It says, reckon yourself to be free. Now, in Canada, we don't know what reckon means. But if you go down to Georgia, South Carolina, <laughs> Alabama, they'll say, what do you reckon? Right? That means, what do you think? Right? Think of yourself as free. When the slave began to think like a free man, he began to be free. Be free. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So we have to change the way we think. All right? Verse 12. Don't let sin control your puny body any longer. Don't give in to its sinful desires. Don't let any part of your body become tools of wickedness to be used for sinning. But give yourselves completely to God, every part of you, for you're back from death. You want to be tools in the hands of God to be used for His good purposes. Sin need never again be your master, for now you're no longer tied to the law where sin enslaves you, but you are free under God's favor and mercy. Now, does this mean we can go ahead and sin and not worry about it? For our salvation does not depend on keeping the law, but on receiving God's grace? Of course not. Now, I've had this question before. Perhaps you've had it before. People will say to me, so are you saying I don't have to obey the law anymore? I don't have to obey the Ten Commandments anymore? Well, here's how I like to explain it, okay? Before you know Jesus, you live in the pig pen of sin. It is very natural for you to lay down in the mud, roll around in it, and it feels really good and normal. But when you receive Jesus, he opens the pig pen and he allows you to live in these fields of grace. They're beautiful green grass, right? But he doesn't slam the door shut when you walk out of the sin. He leaves it open. He doesn't make it so that you're unable to sin anymore, but he didn't, sin you, he didn't, he didn't save you to sin. He saved you to grace from sin. From sin to grace. So it's not how much sin can I do, it's how much grace can I enjoy. Exactly. Right? You're not looking for, well, can I drink? Can I smoke? Can I party? Can I do all this stuff? It's like, how far can I get from the sin I was in and enjoy the grace of God? Does that help you? So don't you realize you can choose your own master? You can choose sin with death or else obedience with acquittal. The one to whom you offer yourself, he will take you and be your master and you will be a slave. See, if you're willing to listen to your old master... He will take you and allow you to continue to work for Him. There's some of you in this room who, like me, for years, continued to serve our old master when we had no legal obligation to do it. We were legally free from that. <laughs> now you're free from your old master's sin. Thank God that though you once were slave to sin, now you've obeyed with all your heart the teaching to which God has committed you, and now you're free from your old master's sin. You've become slaves to your new master righteousness. I speak this way using illustration of slaves and masters because it's easy to understand, just as you used to be slaves to all kinds of sin, so now you must let yourselves be slaves to all that is right and holy. You can be seated. I encourage you today, if you never take notes, today take notes. And you say, why should I take notes? These notes are probably worth $100,000, all right? So it's, it's really, really valuable to take notes. So just write down the word free, F-R-E-E. -E. If you want to understand how God made me free, you have to have faith in what God's Word says. You've got to believe what God says about you. In John 8, verse 32, the Bible says, actually in verse 31, it says, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. How many of you have heard that scripture before? Now, in North America... We have so many people that know so much truth, and yet they're so bound. 
How many of you know somebody who's bound? They're stuck in alcohol, drugs, overeating, overspending, fear, anxiety, pornography, you name it, right? You know someone like that. The Bible says, and if you know the truth, you'll be free. So how is it possible to know truth and not be free? Well, let's, let's go into the, the Greek of the Bible just a little bit, all right? There's two words for knowing. There's gnosis and epinosis. Gnosis is an intellectual knowledge. Epinosis is an experiential knowledge. What's the difference? Well, my wife and I, we have six children. I have a gnosis of childbirth. We go to the hospital. My wife makes a bunch of racket. We have a child. I've done it six times. It really doesn't hurt. How many of you men have children? Put your hands up. Does it hurt? Nothing, right? So now women have an epignosis. That's why they need an epidural, right? <laughs> See, we know, but you, how many of you women have had children? You know in a different way, don't you, right? Is it painful? I think you exaggerate because I don't know like you know. Do you understand? Now, if you wanted to know about childbirth, would it be better to ask the man or the woman? Because the woman, they both know, but the woman knows in a completely different way, right? I believe that most Christians know truth like men know childbirth. They know it, but they don't really know it. Would you like to know truth like women know childbirth? Okay, I want you to do a little experiment with me or a little, little exercise. I want you to think about that thing that you wish to God you could stop doing. It might be anyone, any, any type of a thing that's, that's you, know, you know it's wrong for you to do it. You know that you, you've been, you've been uh, convicted of it, perhaps, or you just know it's not the right thing for me to do. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's rage. It, it, I have no idea what it is. And, and, and I want you to imagine that you failed at that again last night. And as you're getting ready to come to this place today, and you're getting yourself beautified in front of your mirror, you hear this voice saying, you're still my slave You'll always be a slave. You'll never be free. You're such a hypocrite. You know that, that voice? You know who that is? That's the liar. He's telling you a lie. If you know Christ, you're free. But he's lying to you and saying, you'll never be free. Now you're saying, well, Lloyd, am I not what I do? And I would say, no, you're not what you do. You are what God says you are, regardless of what you do. Well, you're like, hold it. If I, what if I got drunk last night? Am I not that? Well, if you're a Christian, that's not who you are anymore. You're acting like a slave when you have no legal obligation to act that way. You're saying, hold it. I have, I have no, I have no, I don't get it. Let's go back to the slave for a moment. Could we all go into North Carolina today and physically work as slaves, eat slave food, drink slave drinks? live in slave houses, have someone stand over us with a whip, and we could act like slaves. If someone came up to us and asked us on the plantation, hey, you guys look like you're slaves. Are you guys slaves? If they looked at our documentation, they would say, 
Lloyd Vandenberg, a free citizen of Canada. Why are you acting like a slave when you have no legal obligation to do that? Is it possible the same thing happens to us in the spirit realm? We're acting like slaves when we have no legal obligation to do that. So I'm going to be the devil for a moment, and I want you to tell me the truth. And the truth is, I am free. So if you're a believer today, if you're pre-Christian today, you've never made a commitment to Christ, you've never turned away from sin, put your faith in Jesus Christ, this doesn't apply to you yet. But before this meeting's over today, you can turn your life to Christ, put your faith and trust in Him, and have the chain unlocked as well. But if you've done that, if you've received Christ, this chain's unlocked, all right? So I want you to tell me the truth, all right? So I'm going to tell you the lie, you tell me the truth. Are you ready? You're never going to be free. Now, you guys need to be a little bit louder than that, all right? You're never going to be free. I am free. It only works for people in ministry. It works for me. You have a predisposition to be this way. You heard all those words, right? Now, I want you to just keep telling me the truth. I am free. You're never going to be free. It's in your family. It's genetic. Now, you guys are still not really angry with the enemy. I, I, I think some of you watch sports. That's good. That's good. That's good. That wasn't part of my message, but that's good. Yeah, there you go. When, when, when you have, how many of you have a favorite team or had a favorite team at one time, right? And when those guys with the black and white shirts, they, I think they call them the referees, right? When they make a decision that does not jive with the way you saw it, you say, do you want these? Right? You get a little bit upset with them because you think that they're not doing what's right. They're lying. And when they lie to you, you become a little bit um, Frustrated, yeah, irate, yeah, yeah. Like some of you peaceful, peaceful little ladies, you just get like, you know, if it's your grandson's team or something, you're ready to kill the referee, right? So, but but you but you get upset about things that you should probably never get upset about. When the enemy continues to lie to you, that is something you need to get upset about, Absolutely. and you need to you need to tell him the truth. So I'm going to try it one more time, and I want you to tell him the way that you would tell someone you're very very upset with. What the truth is, you're never going to be free. I am free! You're starting to get it. I began to do that as I failed. I began to look at myself in the mirror, and sometimes with tears running down my face, feeling so discouraged, feeling like such a hypocrite, feeling like I could never, ever gain freedom. I kept looking at myself in the mirror and saying, I'm looking at a free man. The voice would come, but you failed again, but that's not who I am anymore. And I kept saying that till finally, after sometimes 15 minutes, my faith would end up, you know, rising up so that I believed what God said. And I began to be about 30% free, which to me was amazing because I had been bound 99% of the time. But I still continued to fail quite a bit. And one day I was watching television and I saw this famous preacher had a moral failure and I was so discouraged, I said, I give up. If that guy can't live out a holy life, nobody can. I went to my wife, and I said, honey, I give up. I quit. I had been in ministry for years, but I wasn't living a victorious life. 
And uh, I said to my wife, I just, I can't do this. And she said, why don't you share the fact that you're struggling with my parents? Now, we worked with her parents. She said, did you, did you hear what that woman said to me? She said, why don't you share the fact that you struggle with my parents? Do you know what her parents are to me? How many of you are not married? Just put your hands up real quick. Let me explain something to you real quick. When you marry someone, the person you marry, their parents become to you what is called your in-laws. They hate you. I said to my wife, I would rather eat crushed glass than share my faults with your parents. But I got so fed up with failure that one day I went to them and I said, Norman Joy, would you guys pray for me that God would give me a pure thought life? And the moment I did that, something happened that caused this chain to fall off. And I began to be so free that I began to dance in church. Now, I'm white, and I'm Dutch, and it ain't pretty. <laughs> In fact, when people look at me, they say, you look like an idiot when you dance. And I said, I am not dancing for you. I'm dancing for him because he made me free. And I, I danced for quite a while. And then about six months into my freedom, I had an argument with uh, one of my in-laws. I won't tell you which one it was, but she was right. And I could, I could feel... <laughs> I could feel this chain around my neck again, and I'm declaring, I'm a free man. I'm a free man, but it didn't work. I apologized, and I was free again, and I, I was like, God, something changes in the spirit realm when I do things in the natural realm. What is that? And God really showed me two things. Number one, James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. That is a radical, so our radical humility, all right? Most of us, when we sin, we like to go to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, I sinned. Please forgive me. We get forgiven, and we continue. How many of you have done that before, right? But this verse here says, confess your sins one to another. Now, the problem with one another is Jesus keeps his mouth shut. He's cool. But people, they talk, and you take a risk. But the advantage to confessing our sins to each other and praying for each other is so that you may be healed. What's that word? Say it again. How about this? Many, many Christians get forgiven. Very few Christians seem to get healed. You know, you're talking physical healing. Well, I'm talking about spiritual healing. Like, when you begin to share your faults with someone else, that's when healing can begin to come into your life. That's why groups like Celebrate Recovery are so successful. Alcoholics Anonymous, different anonymous groups, because you begin to talk about your stuff. Not very many people get well by themselves. You usually get well in community. You know, you might say, well, I don't go to Celebrate Recovery. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not a drunk. I'm not whatever. You know, it's not just for those people. It's for anyone who has habits, hang-ups, addictions, strongholds, bondages in your life. These are incredible opportunities. And you might say, well, I still don't feel comfortable with that. I'm sure you guys have home groups in your church. Do you have groups? You can get into one of those. And in that setting, many times you can find healing because you begin to talk about the stuff in your life. And bringing that... Here's, here's how I see it. I believe 
that the devil works in darkness, all right? Have you ever been in the, the forest and it's like a hot summer day and you pick up a piece of wood and you look on the bottom and what do you see? Bugs and grubs and little things scurrying around, right? And you hold that, that piece of wood up to the light for a few moments and then after a, few, a couple minutes you look and all those things are gone. Why? Because those bugs hate light. In the same way, the bugs, the garbage, the junk in your life, when you begin to flip your life over and say, hey, it's ugly, but this is what I'm struggling with, that garbage has got to run away. And we need to continue to flip our lives over and bring light to where there's darkness, and darkness is going to flee away. So I encourage you to begin to do that in your life. I became accountable to my father-in-law every Wednesday morning for years. We would ask each other the seven questions we asked at the men's breakfast yesterday. And it just began to be very liberating to me because there was like no secrets. I'm going to let the Lord's light into all the places in my life. Well, what happens when you radically humble yourselves? Next slide. James 4 verse 6 says, God favors, or in some translations says, gives extravagant grace to the humble. God helps incredibly humble people. So some of you are going, I, I really don't understand how this works. Let me show you a video clip of what I believe happens. This is me without my makeup on. And God is trying to pour his grace, which is symbolized by the water, into my life. God's grace is poured out on each one of our lives all the time. But what keeps his grace out of our lives? Pride. Pride stops the grace of God. It's not that God's grace is not available, it's our pride keeps it out. It's not that God is mean to us and says, I'm not giving you grace. We stop his grace by our pride. So then, next slide. <coughs> One day I went to my in-laws and I said, would you guys pray for me? And in that moment, I humbled myself and asked them, you know, would you, get, would you pray that God give me a, a, a pure thought life? That got rid of the pride. And when I threw that pride away, the grace of God was able to fill up my life and was able to overflow my life. And I began to be literally immersed in the grace of God. Now, some of you are going, man, I would love to be like that cup. How many of you say, I would love to be like that cup? Just full of God's grace, full of God's help, immersed in the grace of God. You'd like that? Remember this. If you want lots and lots of grace... Get on your face. The lower you go, the more grace you get. I have learned that I need to be humble all the time. I don't always enjoy being humble. I've talked to different guys and they say, I don't enjoy being humble. One guy said to me, my wife and I had words the other day. I didn't even get to use mine. I mean, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, even, you know, sometimes you, you've, you've got to be humble to your mother-in-law and your father-in-law and, and, and sometimes even your children, you know. And I don't always like being humble to my children. Sometimes I, I want to strangle them. I remember when my, my son was learning to drive, he, he did something really, really very dumb. And, and I... I, I let him know it in a very straightforward manner. <laughs> and he said to me, Dad, you really hurt me when you speak to me that way. And the Holy Spirit said, you need to apologize to your son. And I said, get the... No, I didn't say it. 
But I was like, <laughs> I'm like, give me a break, you know, like he did a really dumb thing, but it was like, yeah, that's okay, but you don't need to deal with it that way. And so I apologized to my son. And when I apologized to my son, I humbly apologized to my son. And he said, as long as you never do it again. <laughs> and I really did want to strangle him the second time. <laughs> but, but, I, but, but the Lord said to me, you know, when you do the right thing, and the person that you apologize to doesn't do the right thing, in your opinion, that's not your responsibility. You're just responsible to do what... So five minutes later, we're driving down the road. He's an inexperienced driver, and a deer steps right in front of our van. And I'm like, Garrett, Garrett, Garrett! And he stops the van, completely calm, under control. We stop this far from the deer. He looks over and goes, yes. I'm like, I I thought we were going to have an accident. And in that moment, it was like God said to me, you humbled yourself. I gave you grace. Now, am I saying every time you have an accident, you're out of the grace of God? That's what I, I'm not trying to teach that, but I do believe this. I believe we get ourselves into a world of trouble when we walk in pride and arrogance. How many of you have ever had trouble because you were walking in pride and arrogance? Even Pastor Kevin has had that happen. No kidding. <laughs> How is that possible? So I've got to walk in humility all the time. When people cut me off, I have a 45-foot bus that we travel in, and I tow our van behind it, and that's 68 feet long. It weighs a lot. Some people pull in front of me in their cars, and then they jump on their brakes, and they think it's funny. I have an air horn on my bus that will stop your heart, (laughs) and I am so ready to give that to them, and it's like the Lord says, no, give them grace, and I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, and I can even break into tongues at that time, but it's like, it's, it's very difficult. But then I recognize I have cut people off before. And when I've cut people off, what did I want? Grace, grace, right? When they cut me off, I want the law. Go to jail, 20 years, it's fine, right? But when I do it, I just, oh man, I made a mistake. Please forgive me. I've done it, right? So I've got to walk in humility. I'm doing that. I'm, I'm confessing when I'm struggling, and I'm finding 90% freedom. I am so excited. Christianity seems to work, but I still fail on occasion. And I, I, I said, God, why do I fail? And he said, retrace your steps. Every time you fail, it's somewhere in your life you've left a door open. So here's what it looks like. Now, I don't know if you guys understand this picture a little bit, but How many of you have ever seen something on your television, your smartphone, or your computer that you went, this was really garbage? All right. So you've got about 30% of people that are honest in this room. (laughs) You know, the Bible says, next slide, it's better for you to enter heaven without cable, satellite, internet, or various magazine subscriptions than to go to hell with them. You're like, I have never read it that way before. Well, actually, in Mark chapter 9, it says, if your hand offends you, cut it off. If your foot offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, gouge it out. Are you kidding me? Does God want us to go around looking like Captain Hook? 
Well, he wants us to radically deal with the things that cause us to sin. In fact, next slide, it says in Philippians 2 verse 12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You need to extract the poison. So the final E is extract the poison. My television was my biggest trouble. You know, some people say, oh, the devil this, the devil that. And I think we give him too much credit. I think a lot of our trouble is our own flesh. I I remember the the story of uh, the devil was sitting outside of a church on the front step, crying his eyes out. And one of the, you know, well-meaning elders or board members went outside and said, there, there, it's not that bad. He said, there's people in that church there accusing me of things I've never even thought of doing. You know, people, don't blame the enemy for everything that comes into your life. Sometimes you've opened doors and you're allowing them in. The devil is not the one who made me watch television. I wanted to watch television. The Holy Spirit had spoken to my thoughts or my heart, not audibly, and warned me, television is not good for you, Lloyd. But I always played, let's make a deal with God. How many of you guys have ever tried to make a deal with God? Have you ever won? Never. I never have. But he would say to me, Lloyd, you need to get rid of your TV. And I'm like, I'll just watch cops and robbers and sports and the news. And that's it. And I would do that for two weeks. And then I would watch something else. And I'd fail. And I'd be so sorry. And I'd feel so guilty. And I would say, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I repent. And please forgive me. And I did that so many times. And then it was like, after I said, I'm so sorry, it seemed like I heard a voice that said, you're so stupid. (laughs) And I think it was the Holy Spirit. Now you're saying, well, God doesn't talk to you like that. Well, when he continually tells you to do something and you don't do it, you are being very foolish. See, the Bible says if you walk with fools, you become foolish. Now, many people who we're being entertained by are very foolish. They have a completely different worldview than we do. So, now some of you are going, Lloyd, I can't believe that you're just so, you have that kind of issue. I'm way smarter than that. I want to see how much smarter you people are than me, and then I'm going to close, all right? I want all of you to take a a circle, your fingers and your thumb, and make a circle, okay? Now, do what I say. Okay? Show me your circle. Put your circle on your chin. Okay? Now, don't move. Where is your chin? Your chin is here, not here. Did I not clearly say to you, do what I say? Yeah. So why do you have the circle over here? Because you're stupid. I am so glad we took the offering already. (laughs) Why did you do that? Why did you do, like, why did you, you know your chin is here, and yet you put your circle over here. Why did you do that? You're watching me, but I told you what to do, right? So is it, so you did what I did, not what I said. Isn't there something about parenting in there? Do what I say, not what I... And what do your kids do? 
what you do. You know, I, I remember my boss that I, I, uh, I worked as a mechanic from the time I was 13 until I was 21. He smoked. He told his kids, don't you guys smoke. It's the stupidest habit. What do you think his kids did? Well, you know, it's, kids, kids will follow you. And I, I'm not here to beat anybody up, but fathers, mothers, watch what you're doing. Your kids will follow you, good or bad. And I want to encourage you, especially fathers, your kids adore you. They will plant their feet exactly where you plant your feet. And you want to walk in a place that you want them to walk. So I began to just get rid of the things in my life that were allowing the enemy to come in. And I have now been free for about 25 years. And I'm not preaching a theory today. I'm preaching practical things that you can do. Practical theology. Now, I want to ask you today, next slide. One more slide after that one. Are you bound today by pride? Let's read these words together. Pride, lust, gossip, gambling, hatred, envy, bitterness, idols, overspending, overeating, drugs, alcohol, lying, pornography, fear, anger, work, entertainment, anxiety, depression, video games. Only God and you know for sure. Look at those words. Ask yourself this question. Could I write my name under one of those words? Now, some of you are going, my word is not up there. I'm so glad. <laughs> Hallelujah. The reality is I can't write everything down that people struggle with. But I know that way too many Christians are bound somewhere in their life. And I don't come here to condemn you. I come here to say, you know what? There is hope. You can be free. I was so bound. I was so discouraged. I was such a failure. I felt like there was no possible way it could ever work for me. And I want to tell you, I don't care where you are in your walk with Jesus. I don't care how bound you are, how hopeless you feel. He can make you free. My mind was completely corrupted with sinful images, with sinful thoughts. I was just completely broken. And today, I am completely free in my mind. I am so, so thankful for what Jesus can do. He is an amazing Savior. He's an amazing God. And I want you to know Him, and I want you to experience that freedom that you can have in Jesus. All right? I want you to bow your heads with me, and I'm going to close in just one second. I want to ask you two questions. You know, I talked at the beginning of my talk today about how I knew the right way to go, but I went the wrong way. How many of you in this room would say, Lloyd, I'm not going the right way in my life either. I want to turn around and go a different way. How many of you would just lift up a hand and say, Lloyd, pray for me. I'm going the wrong way. I want to go a different way. Just put up nice and high. All right. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right. Anyone else say, you know, Lloyd, I'm just not going the right way in life. I, I, I want to go a different way. Would you pray for me? Anyone else? All right, there's another one. I want you to pray with me. You don't have to pray out loud, but I want you to pray this from the bottom of who you are. God, your word says, if I confess my sin, you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sin 
and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So God, right now I want to confess to you that I am guilty of breaking your law and I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Your word says that whoever receives you, to them you give power to become the sons of God. I want to invite you, Jesus, by your spirit to come into my life and be the boss. The Christian word for that is the Lord of my life. I don't want to run the show anymore. I'm tired of this. Would you run my life for me? Help me to know that I'm your kid. I'm your child. And I, you're a good father. Help me to follow after you with all my heart. And then Romans 10, verse 9 and 10 says, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Help me, God, today to tell somebody that I've committed or I've recommitted my life to following after you. Now, here's my second question. You might say, Lloyd, I am a Christian. I know that. But there's an area of my life where I am stuck. I am bound here. It, it, it's, it's not where I want to be. Would you pray for me that God would make me free like you've been free now for 25 years? How many of you in this room would have courage and say, that's me, man. Sign me up for that. Pray for me. Just put your hands up nice and high. I'm bound somewhere in my life. I want to be free. Just put your hands up nice and high. There's about 20, 25. Okay, you can put your hands down. I thank you guys for that. That took some courage. But I want to ask the people who didn't lift up your hands. Is it possible that your hand feels really heavy today? Like you're like, I would lift up my hand, but it feels like there's a, there's like a 50-pound weight on my hand. I can't lift it. You know, that's just another lie from the enemy. Like a demon sitting on your hand. He's just a liar. The Bible calls him the, the father of liars. If you're bound today and you'd like to be free, now is a great opportunity to say, pray for me as well. If you didn't raise your hand before, you know you're bound. You really would like to be free. Just take courage. Lift up your hand. Say, pray for me as well. Anyone else? All right, there's another five, six hands. That's good. I'd like to all of you to stand up. And I want those of you who raised your hand for any reason, all right, just come down to the front really quickly. I'm going to pray for each one of you, all right? Just come down. Make a single line right across the front of the church. Just come on closer, all right? Shoulder to shoulder, single line. All right? It's great. Single line all the way across. If you came forward to commit or recommit your life to Christ, take one of those. Otherwise, just pass it down. All right? Same here. Just go the other way. If you came forward for freedom, I want to give you one of these. And then just pass it down. All right? These are the notes today. All right? Now, you might say, you're, for those of you in, that came down here, just just begin to wait on God for a minute and just say, God, I want you to do something in me today. But I want to talk to those of you in the audience right now. Some of you, you need to go. And I want to honor your time and say, you have my permission to leave now. The service is officially over. I'm going to teach here for a few more moments. But you are welcome to leave if you want to. All right, God bless you. Thank you for coming. I appreciate you. If you'd like to for a moment, stay with us. I would like men who care about one of these people at the front or women who care about one of these ladies at the front to come and put your hand on the shoulder of one of these people, all right? So if you can, 
I would like men with men, ladies with lady. If you would like to, all right, just come real quick. If you have a spouse here that you want to stand with, that's fine. But otherwise, men with men, ladies with ladies. If you don't have a hand on your shoulder yet, just put your hand up at the front so they know, hey, I can come here. All right? There's a man here. It's lots, lots of people yet. I can use some more help. You don't need to be a, a theologian or anything like that. All you got to care about is Jesus. All right? Just come real quick. I need some more. I need some, I need some more help. Okay? I need another couple of ladies, another couple of men. Can you come real quick? All right. Those of you who don't have a hand on your shoulder yet, look at me. Look for another person who has their hand up. Okay, I see that's good. Okay, there's another. Right over here, there's a lady down here. All right, okay. That's great, perfect. Okay, everybody have a hand on their shoulder? You, have, you don't have one yet? Okay, there's a man right there. There's good. I, I don't mind if you join together. Okay, now here's, I just want to teach you one last thing and then I'm done, all right? I want you to hold the reason that you came forward symbolically in your hand right now, okay? I'm going to say you struggle with chocolate chip cookie addiction, all right? Just to make it simple, all right? So everybody hold their chocolate chip cookie addiction up to God, all right? Now here's what I'd like you to do. I'm going to teach you four R's really quickly. I want you to say this, God, I repent for this, all right? So you're repenting. This is wrong. The doctors told you your cholesterol's too high. Your sugar's too high. You're, you, you know, you've got to lose this. You've, it's, it's killing you, right? You've got to stop. Okay, we understand that. So I repent for this. Now, I want you to take that thing and I want you to symbolically renounce it. So I want you to say, God, I renounce it. And I want you to throw it symbolically on the ground. All right? I renounce it. All right, now, if you try to renounce something, this afternoon at 3 o'clock, you know what's going to happen? Grandma's coming to your house with a baked chocolate chip cookies. And what are you going to say to Grandma? Get the beat. No, don't say that to Grandma, right? But the reality is the enemy will wrap up that temptation in a way that it is so difficult for you to say no. It's like you can't offend her, right? You need to be able to say this afternoon, when the enemy comes with the temptation, Satan, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Go. Now, here's the deal. It's very difficult to rebuke the enemy when you've got your mouth full. See, if I've got my mouth full of chocolate chip cookies and I say, I rebuke you, Satan, as soon as I'm done this cookie and that bag there and the case under my bed, I am done with chocolate chip cookies. The devil's a little bit confused. He's like, am I coming or going here? Right? We need to renounce the stuff. And when we renounce the stuff and let Jesus become the Lord of it all, then we gain authority to actually rebuke him. A lot of you have tried rebuking the enemy before, and he doesn't really listen when our mouth is full. Are you with me? So when you've actually said, God, I'm done with this, I renounce it, then you gain the authority. And here's what I want you to practice doing one time now, and then you're going to have to do this on a regular basis because he's going to come back. 
He's not going to go, you know what? You got rid of chocolate chip cookies. I'm not going to bother you anymore. I'm going to go bother Pastor Kevin now because I just, you're way too much for me. No, he's going to try and try to get you to fail. So here's what I want you to say. Satan, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I've repented. I've renounced. And now I have authority to rebuke you in Jesus' name. Now, if we throw down chocolate chip cookies, if we don't pick up something different, we'll get worse. So we need to replace it, all right? So if you threw down chocolate chip cookies today, what would you pick up? Broccoli, celery, lettuce, carrots, all that stuff that doesn't taste that great. I mean, maybe if you're like my wife, you love that stuff, but there's very few people on the planet that really like that food. It is good for you, and it makes you well physically. Okay, so now we all just threw something down that was not good for us. What are you going to replace it with? I want you to think about that for a moment, and then I want you to symbolically reach down and say, I am going to pick up. For me, I threw down my TV. I picked up the Word of God. I picked up good teaching. Pastor Kevin preaches here, I'm sure, quite often. He has to take you know, four, eight, 12 hours of thought, distill it down to 30 to 40 minutes of preaching. And he has so much in there that if you were to listen to that message again during the week, you might actually go, well, I didn't hear that the first time. And the third time you're through, like, hold it. You didn't say that. He says a lot in there that you're not catching. And you know, you say, well, I don't need to listen to a sermon twice. How many times have you watched a commercial? over and over and over again. Why? Because you don't get it the way you need to get it. You know, I've preached what I just preached this morning over 1,500 times. I am just as excited today about preaching this as I was the first time. If I listen to myself preach, I go, wow, that is an amazing truth. It speaks to my spirit because the Word of God is living and it will get into you. So I'm encouraging you guys Every time he throws a podcast up there, if you got your smartphones and stuff like that, turn off all the crap on Facebook and all that stuff and listen to the Word of God again and let your spirit become healthy and strong. Don't tear yourself down anymore. Feed yourself. And he might say, well, don't only listen to me, but listen to some other guys. I just encourage you to try to stay on the same page as where your leader's going because it's helpful that way. If everybody's going 15 directions, you don't get too far. All right? So you're going to replace it. I want you to think about it for a moment. What are you going to replace what you just threw down with? Just think about that and then symbolically reach down and grab that. All right, go ahead. Praise God. All right, let me pray with you and then I'm going to close. What I would like to do is when I'm done, all right, I want you guys to do one last thing and it's going to be hard, but it's worthwhile. I would like you to share with the person that's standing with you why you came to the front today. Some of you are going, are you out of your mind? Actually, it helps. But now, I don't need you to share with that person everything you've ever done wrong in your life because you'll kill them, all right? They don't need all that information. When I shared with my in-laws, right, I said, would you pray for my thought life? I didn't tell them everything I ever saw and everything I ever did because that's not helpful. 
also recognize that the person that you're talking to, I don't know them. And if you don't know them, use some common sense and don't share things that you wouldn't want repeated unless you know you can have a confidence in that person. Are you with me? If a person begins to tell you something, people in the second row, listen to me. If someone begins to tell you something and you can't keep your mouth shut, we call that gossiping, right? Just say, oh, please don't tell me anything. I'm a gossip. All right? Because that will be very, very helpful to them. They'll, okay, I, all right, I'm not going to talk to you. I'll tell you, just pray for me, right? You got it? Do you understand what I'm saying? Use wisdom. I don't want you to get yourself so embarrassed you never want to come back to this place because that's not my purpose. My purpose is to begin to get the grace of God to function in your life. And by sharing even today a little bit, that's where it begins. Now, for those of you who came forward today, all right, each one of you is a candidate for a place like Celebrate Recovery. And you're saying, why do I need to go to that? Well, how long have you struggled with this garbage? And how long would you like to continue struggling with this garbage? How much has it immobilized you? How much has it made it so you cannot do in life for God what you wish you could do? And how long would you continue to like, like to continue to be in that position? I'm not saying you're totally screwed up. I'm just saying, I just went on a bike trip. I biked you think I'm nuts. I am nuts. I biked all the way on my bicycle from Chicago to Los Angeles. Okay? That was 2,500 miles in 32 days. I found that all the weight that I carried made it very, very difficult for me when I went up hills. So I tried to strip off every single weight that I had so that I could go better in life. Now, do you know when you struggle with bondage, hang-ups, addictions, habits, those are weights that hold you back in the kingdom. God has an incredible thing for you to do, not only by being free, but to free others, right? There are so many people in Belleville that are bound, that are waiting for you to be free so that you can free others. So I want to encourage you, get yourself free and then get others free. Are you with me? Let me pray for you. I'm so proud of each one of you who came forward today. I just want to I want to dance, but I, I know it would be ugly, so I won't do it, all right? Lord Jesus, I bless each one of these people in the name of Jesus. I'm speaking life over each one of these hearts in Jesus' name. Lord, let them never, ever be the same. Let your truth and your grace begin to so inhabit them, oh God, that they would never, ever be the same. Lord, let your truth just penetrate the darkness in their minds, in their hearts, in Jesus' name. Lord, let them never, ever be the same again. Father, I speak life to their spirits in Jesus' name. Oh, God, fill them with your spirit in Jesus' name. Lord, fill them with truth. Fill them with life. Fill them with joy. And Lord, bring healing where there's brokenness inside them in Jesus' name. Oh, God, heal the brokenness. Lord, heal where they were abused, whether it was emotional, whether it was physical, whether it was whatever kind, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I speak life in healing to these spirits in Jesus' name. Lord, never, never the same from this day forward. Lord, bless and seal up the truth that was spoken today. Lord, let your words so penetrate their minds that light would stream through every part of their spirits, oh God, in Jesus' name. Lord, bring 
life, bring life, bring life, bring life in Jesus' name. Hope in Jesus' name. Grace, oh God, grace, let the grace, let grace, let grace come. In Jesus' name, Lord, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. For those of you who can, stick around for a few moments, share together, pray for each other, and then commit to getting free. In Jesus' name, have a great Sunday.